Welcome to Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of those who would rather die than be forced onto their weirdly competitive dad's youth soccer team. I'm, I'm Hannah Leach. And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo, also known as Two Ping Productions, and we haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are? Today we are talking about 1999's Switching Goals, starring Mary-Kate and Ashley. Mary-Kate and Ashley are Sam and Emma Stanton. They're twin sisters, but they couldn't be more different. When it comes to sports, Sam breaks records. Emma breaks her nail. Oh, I am so sorry. When their dad's soccer team goes co-ed, guess who's his first round pick? The Hurricanes choose. Guess again. Emma Stanton. I thought we could still pull off the great sister swap. Hi, Audrey. <laughs> hey. How's it going? I want to be that (laughs) I was just telling Hannah I was watching um, Mike's Mike that's his YouTube name and his everything name I was just watching like a really intense art pop Lady Gaga album breakdown and it had a lot of good details that I didn't know and now I'm just thinking about how good that album is (laughs) It, it is really good I actually recently was having like a forum with a uh, at a dinner party of gays and we were talking about chromatica not chromatica we were talking <laughs> about art pop but i feel like chromatica will also age the same way probably because yeah could there have been worse timing for chromatica no no <laughs> lady gaga's had some really bad luck in that regard um, yeah i feel like Yeah, I feel like Chromatica and Art Pop are the most similar in how they went down in the public. It was the context of which it dropped. It was the timing. Just bad timing, yeah. She's had some struggles. It would be like dropping an album on 9-11 or something. Yeah, which that's what happened. not as bad, but still. (laughs) That's what happened to Glitter, Mariah Carey's movie. (laughs) (laughs) Right. 9-11 has come up kind of a lot lately. (laughs) We just got like a hundred, over a hundred, like like 120,000 views on our Lilo and Stitch 9-11 TikTok. (laughs) Let's leave it at that. Let's leave it at that. Anyway. It's all factual though. I mean, it's true. You watch that clip and you're like, yeah, this shit did need to change. Like, Yeah, it was pretty bad. It was kind of shock, like unbelievably bad. A bold entrance into this week's episode <laughs> of Sleepover. But you know, that's what we're here for. I feel like this is going to happen a lot today because this week's movie leaves room. Something to be desired. <laughs> it leaves something to be desired. Not to uh, not to give away our conclusion. I just I, wonder how much there will really be to discuss. I mean, so, it, we'll I, sometimes the dumb, dumbest <laughs> quote, dumbest yes. stuff is what we end up riffing on the most. That's true. Like Barbie is Rapunzel. (laughs) Yeah, and like Little Mermaid too. Like some of the stuff. That's true. Um, So by now, you've hopefully heard both of our episodes with our new best friend, Tina Majorino. (laughs) Um, 
there have been so many super sweet responses that we've gotten to those episodes, um, especially the whole like series of side tangents in the Napoleon Dynamite episode. I know of several people who felt inspired to move forward with their artistic pursuits because of that episode. So if it meant something to you, that's amazing. If you want to uh, leave Tina a nice comment on one of her posts, letting her know, I'm sure she would be delighted to hear from you. I DM'd her and told her that you guys are living. So thank you for responding so much to those episodes. We were really excited to put them out and we're excited to have Tina in our lives. So maybe she'll be back at some point. So shout out to Tina. But Audrey, what is our hot take of the week? Okay, so this week's hot take comes from Becky, who is on our Discord, where we were asking for new hot takes of the week. We're always open and looking for new juicy hot takes. And Becky came up with this one that I really like, and I don't even know my answer And as I'm about to say it. (laughs) But it Mm -hmm. is, if you had to choose a mean girl, like a classic trope mean girl from a sleepover cinema film, like who would you choose to be the lackey of if you had to choose somebody? I think I have mine actually. Okay. (laughs) When I think of classic mean girls and their cliques, first of all, Aquamarine is my favorite movie ever. So I immediately think of Cecilia. She shits on her friends actively. No. And then I think of mean girls and I think of being one of them. No. Um, But to me, and this is also a quintessential piece of sleepover cinema. It seems as though to be a best friend of Carla Santini, <laughs> a.k.a. Megan Fox in Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen, is a pretty cushy gig. <laughs> Considering all you do, I'm pretty sure, is like receive Carla's like shady whispers and Carla's family's really rich. So you get yeah. to have cool outfits and go to her parties. It's like and it you, seems to be good. It's like you need to pick a mean girl whose lackeys don't have character traits because right. they're like not real characters. They're just yes. there. 100%. And that is an example where the, the lackeys don't really have character. One of them is Casey from Life with Derek. And I remember she has like one line. And, you know, that's the sort yep. of lifestyle. <laughs> like look hot and have one line. Yeah, like that's great. Um, you yeah. get all the status without having to be a bitch. Like that's great. Without having to put in the legwork. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's two other examples I can think of. Lana, Anna, and Fontana, Princess oh, yeah, Diaries. Yeah, 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 that's a good one. They have a good time. And also um, the mean girl in Cinderella Story with their angel costumes. Yeah. Is it just her as an angel or is it the friends as angels too? They all are, yeah. Yeah, also a mm-hmm. serve. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I, I like your answers. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know how I came up with so many, but I, I really did. Okay, so I know we're all dying to get to Switching Goals starring Mary-Kate and Ashley. So you let's just were, get into you, it. You wanted to cover Switching Goals. Okay, I know. <laughs> and that's the whole thing. Like, We're going to wow. get to it. We're going to get to it. We're going to get to it. This does complete our trifecta of the Mary-Kate and Ashley movies that we owned yeah. being covered. So Switching Goals premiered on TV on December 12th, 1999. And I learned that it's actually 
uh, a production of The Wonderful World of Disney, which I found to be very surprising. It makes so much more sense because why are there so many fades to black? Like as though it's playing commercials. It's because it was playing commercials. It was playing commercials. That makes sense. This movie is not rated. So there's that. It was directed by David Steinberg, who directed a few episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm and Seinfeld, but recently-ish directed 36 episodes of Inside Comedy and not so recent, but very important, uh, directed 37 episodes of Designing Women, which is cool. The screenplay was written by David Kukoff and Matt Roshkow, and the two of them together wrote four teleplays for The Wonderful World of Disney. Um, <laughs> that's and your, that's, it's so hard for me to, to say. say. <laughs> it's Wonderful World of Disney. That's just, I can't say it fast. Wonderful World. You try it. Say it fast. The Wonderful World of Disney. See, you see you have to it's hard to say the wonderful world it's just a lot of (laughs) it's very in the front of your mouth matt also wrote the screenplay or the teleplay for campus confidential starring christy carlson romano which i've never seen but apparently it exists and then this movie was produced by a couple people that did not do much interestingly and importantly Mary-Kate and Ashley were listed as executive producers of this movie, which they were known to do. Yes. Like, I think even when they were younger. Their parents made a very, like, concerted effort to put the girls in positions of power and literally handed them their own empire at 18, which is lit. (laughs) That is lit. Good for them. Okay, so we're already at the synopsis. The synopsis is girly girl Emma and tomboy Sam are 13-year-old teenagers who are identical personality opposite twins. What? Oh, who are are identical personality (laughs) opposite twins join a soccer team so they might switch places. It's literally not accurate. That's not a sentence. I was so checked out putting these notes together because I was like, this movie's absolute ass. And there was also like nothing online about it. They switch goals. They switch goals. The title tells you everything you need to know. They switch places. They switch goals for life. Okay. That's (laughs) what they're doing. Permanently. There are no taglines because this was a made-for-TV movie. However, let's try to come up with one. (laughs) My tagline is... (sighs) It's hard. Swapping sisters, co-ed, goal scoring. I'm just, I'm free associating. (laughs) Free, this is a free association poem. Um, oh, I think I think I might have one. Okay, what? Identical twins fight for the win. <laughs> they don't fight for the win, though. They don't I care. Mean, sure. Identical twins hate their mom. <laughs> well, you know, I think we did our best, and that's all that matters. Okay. So here's the cast. I really kept it to a minimum. We have Mary-Kate as Samantha, quote, Sam Stanton. That's how it was listed on IMDb. We have Ashley as Emma Stanton. And we have Eric Lutz as Jerry Stanton, their dad. And I have to read you this fun fact that opens up his IMDb bio. Born in Charleston, Rhode Island, Eric Lutz began acting the summer before he started college when friends encouraged him to audition for a community production of The Pajama Game. (laughs) That's what he wants people to know, first and foremost. Me too, Eric. (laughs) 
first and foremost, got his big break in the local production of the pajama game. <laughs> I don't know why, but the pajama game and like Brigadoon are on the same <laughs> wavelength in my mind. It's because of the murals. <laughs> yes, in our in our high school choir room, there were like miniature murals of every musical that our school ever did. But for some reason, it stopped at like 2009. <laughs> so, so there was all this old shit. They just ran out of wall space. They ran out of wall space and they were like, the pajama game and Brigadoon must be cemented in the fucking walls of time forever. I also always just think of the Chris Fleming video when it comes to Brigadoon. Same. This isn't Brigadoon. This isn't Brigadoon. It's like a whole joke about um when guys when guys just ask their girlfriends to marry them without like talking to them. First. No, it was also getting engaged on Christmas. That's what it's yeah. about. Here's how you should respond if your boyfriend proposes to you on Christmas. Step one, get him in a leg lock. Eric Lutz of Pajama Game fame (laughs) was in Caroline in the City. Jane White is sick and twisted. This man, Eric, also plays Mary-Kate Nashley's dad in so little time, which I thought was interesting. Next up, we have Catherine Greenwold as Denise Stanton. Um, She was in Wind at My Back, My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2. (laughs) <laughs> and girl IDK is what I wrote down after that. <laughs> She's kind of comforting to me for some reason. <laughs> Probably because we fell asleep watching that movie 4,000 times in the minivan. Yeah. And then last but not least, <laughs> I spelled his last name wrong. I wrote down Trevor Bullmass, but it's Trevor Bloomis as yeah. Greg Jeffries. He's, according to his IMDb, he's best known for Ice Princess, to which I say, yes, he is. He was also in many episodes of a show called Little Men. Trevor Bloomis must also have a real life because he has a very reasonable amount of credits. It's like one thing every three years, very, uh, very much something like he could go to regular school and then do a movie every few years. That is the energy I get from his like career history. <laughs> okay, budget. There's no opening weekend. I could not get any information on DVD sales, but on eBay, a mint condition copy <laughs> of this movie is going for $38.18. Critical slash audience opinions. There's a critic score of 0% for this movie. Critic consensus, there's only five reviews. And uh, Audrey, would you like to read these blurbs? Yeah. Okay. First person says, So horrific are the Olsen flicks that their only logical use could be as, quote, bad behavior deterrence, as in, behave yourself or I'll put on that Olsen twins movie. Okay. No. Because no no child would think that that's a punishment if we're yeah. being honest um second critic says twins and their dad try to cheat but learn fair play <laughs> there's an audience score of 47 percent one star think of the film kicking and screaming but with a terrible story terrible direction shit acting and just being a shitty film in general this is that <laughs> okay the second person said four stars I'm a huge soccer fan. 
<laughs> well, if you like Alexi Lawless, maybe. <laughs> this is the film for you. Okay. Now this one. Five stars. This, okay, I'm going to try to read this in the style that they typed it. Okay, this movie got me undepressed, and I'm so grateful for it. Grateful spelled G-R-E-A-T-F-U-L. Smiley face. And a before this movie, A had already watched all their other movies, and none of them are as good as this one. Smiley face. It's pretty much amazing. You should rent it. <laughs> Smiley face. A lot. Smiley face. Or buy it. Even better. Smiley face. I have 9385747 copies no lie I just counted smiley face <laughs> dang right <laughs> dang right weirdos who don't like this OV or Mary Kate and Ashley movies because you they rock my world dang right man I love their energy <laughs> me too that's why I had to include it <laughs> also it should be noted that these are equal sign parentheses smiley faces yes, which is very rare yes it has a different energy than a colon dash parentheses yes one um okay and then lastly <laughs> 2.5 stars <laughs> ha ha dot 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 i remember this movie dot 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 wow not one of their best. <laughs> I felt like that summed it up really well. Okay, so I went on Twitter and I looked up this movie just as a keyword. There were also a lot of people quote tweeting this one tweet that was like, she's the man is the most important soccer film of our time. And then everyone quoting it being like, switching goals has entered the chat. But like the first one was definitely also a joke. Ew, Bend It Like Beckham is going to be the soccer movie. If there is, if yeah. we have to choose, it's Bend It Like Beckham. And then this tweet I thought was really funny. My buddy was the love interest for an Olsen twin in Switching Goals, in all caps, and we convinced our accounting teacher to let us watch it in class without telling him in advance. He was not into it, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Wait, so isn't the assumption that Trevor Blumis is in this guy's class? Well, first of all, in her class. Second of uh, all. Um, how would I it, know the gender of the tweeter? Well, don't assume the gender of the tweeter. Let me just say, it is rare that you will get a young woman saying, my buddy was the... <laughs> yeah. Can I just tell the tiniest anecdote really quick? Something that <laughs> yes, I... Yes, ...saw the other day and I was floored. Like, I was, I was stopped in my tracks... I was okay. getting a bagel nearby my apartment and I was waiting in line. And then this guy like comes up behind me, kind of like cuts me in line. And he starts being like, he was like, hey, boss, hey, boss. And he kept calling the workers boss in the most like aggressive way. But okay. He was like a young, like probably around my age. And then... His iPhone, like he was holding his phone in his hand and it like he got a message. So it it turned on and his background image was divine. <laughs> and you weren't expecting that? No, because he was like, so he was like, hey, boss, hey, boss, where's my bacon, egg and cheese? And then like, <laughs> <laughs> so he seemed like a very straight person. Yeah, and then it was Divine, which if you don't know, Divine is John Waters' 
uh, like star of a lot of his films, this drag queen named Divine. And uh, I was just <laughs> shocked. That is very surprising, but cool. Yeah. You know how bagel lines in New York are very serious? Yes. It's like you can't just cut people and to like get your mobile order, like go to the freaking register yeah. and get your mobile order over there. Don't come yeah. to the place where we order. <laughs> yeah. Like, Cultural context. We're not doing it because who cares today? Um, I mean, we care, but it's just like, I feel like you guys already know. And yeah, this is, we've cut. We, this is our, I think, fourth Mary Kate and Ashley movie now that we've covered. So, yeah. 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 Okay, so when did we first watch this movie and what did we remember about it prior to rewatching? So we first watched it. I do you remember if we got the three DVD pack for a trip specifically? Like I think there's I a like chance we that we might have gotten all those movies and the Tenth Kingdom at the same time. Yeah, I think it was like in preparation for driving to North Carolina or something. Yeah. Or something. Um, just so we had like a lot of content, a lot of yeah. new content to consume on our drive. Um, and they, it definitely came from Sam's Club. Like yeah. Sam's Club provided yeah. for us. Um, but what I remember, of course, I remember Michael Sarah being in there. That's not something in, that I knew until like way later. Cause yeah. Yeah. And then just like, the fact that the buzzards got pizza after practice. <laughs> yeah. That really stuck with me because I played soccer like very much at this this level that is in the movie. Like, like you know, the summer league type vibe. Yeah. And the, um, s- the snacks after were far more important than like. <laughs> yes. The game. And sometimes we'd get those um, like barrel those like barrel you looking mean little huggies or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> chugs. The, the, yeah, huggies, it's diapers. <laughs> or the um like the Kool-Aid version, which was like a taller bottle. Those to me, like I would kill. I would literally kill for one of those right now. I got bullied into doing softball several years in a row and I hated it. I hated it so much. It was so, to me, it just felt like impending embarrassment every time I played. I was just like, I don't want to be here. So I would uh, stand in the outfield and just pray to God nothing ever came my way, which most (laughs) of the time was was yeah, achieved. usually they're not going to be able to hit. Very no, because I would stand really far away also. Um, but the point is, we would get diet brisk iced tea after the fact and nothing hit like those hit. Like it yeah. was just everything. I remembered the parents being really a significant part of the movie. And I remembered the sports store. Jerry's House of Sports. Jerry's House of Sports, <laughs> baby. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty much it. But I had high-ish expectations. I don't know why. <laughs> I, don't. I don't know why either. Go watch the movie. Cultivate a little opinion yourself. You can contribute to the dual star empire today. <laughs> okay. We'll be right back. Don't leave us. I promise it'll be worth it. (laughs) 
Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Okay, we are back to talk about one of the greatest films of our time. Say it more excited. <laughs> what? what? I had a perspective. I had a POV, okay? Oh, sorry. So this movie is really bad. Um, <laughs> okay, I feel like you're harsher than I am for some reason. Okay, well, you start us off. I mean, yeah, a lot of my things underappreciate truly are probably more on the notable side, but they are things that I appreciate. Yes. One being the extras. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. The extras in Mary-Kate and Ashley movies and specifically this movie, they're hilarious to watch. Yeah. Like, they are, they're just, like, raw. They're, like, kids off the street you know what I mean like it's like you're getting an authentic performance here yes and it almost feels like they don't even know like they don't know what's going on yeah they're just being pushed around and they're like okay and like I forgot about the whole beginning where the mom is trying to give fortunes and for some reason she cares about if the kids want to hear their fortune well I think it's because she's a therapist so it's supposed to be like she wants to actually give them good takes yeah but like let's not equate those two things that's really true that's really really true (laughs) the one the the British coach looks like Robin Williams (laughs) yes he does and I literally probably thought he was Robin Williams when I was little probably Oh, I appreciate that one shirt that is in, like, every movie from back then. It's got, like, this—it's got black sleeves, and it has this, like, blue kind of tie-dye-looking sort of— It's, like— —graphic pattern. Yeah. It's in Passport to Paris also. Of course, the background music and the score (laughs) for this movie is probably the best thing about it. Yep. Like— I agree. Are, are you going to do the impression? Yeah, well, so I sent Audrey a two-track rendition of it. I don't know what they're saying. Are they saying you won or you want or what are they okay, saying? Okay, so I thought it was you want, but then I was like, why would that be it? want. I don't know. Okay, go back and pretend because like I said like want. a part of a larger sentence. Yeah, but they I never think. finish the sentence. But to me, it would be weird if it was you won, because if you won, then the movie's over. Yeah, like, I want, feel like that it's if not If you what want, the story is just unfolding. 
the like wiki wiki of it all. <laughs> yeah. Also, like the random like Bahaman esque rapping. Yeah. It's just like everything you would expect from that era. A joke that went over my head as a kid that I picked up this time is when, like, the Robin Williams coach dude is, like, on the phone and he's, like, presumably talking to his wife and, like, he's, like, I'm really busy right now, honey. Like, let's go with the cesarean. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, that's so dumb. I remember when I watched that as a little kid. You know, like, it's one of those situations where, like, you hear a word when you're a kid and you store it away in your brain. You're like, I don't know what that is, but who cares? Yeah. And then... I think I thought it was, like, a dog. Yeah, or, like, a car. Yeah. Yeah, but no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, when you finally hear it in context, it's like everything makes sense. Yeah, you're like, like, oh. As a kid, it's so funny because... There's so many moments where you hear stuff and then you literally just wait. Yep. <laughs> you literally just, it goes to the back of your mind and then you wait for it to make sense and you just like don't ask about it. Yep. So many things Because well, like you don't want to feel stupid. Yeah. It's like, oh, I could know. That's got to be part of it. Right. Um, the tractor pull. We got to talk about the tractor <laughs> yeah. pull. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. That scene where... I forget. I, I'm not going to know the names. Um, I guess Emma's trying to teach Sam how to mm-hmm. walk like her, like on a date. Yeah. And she's like, she like tries different walks. And it's so strange because first of all, Emma doesn't walk like that either. So yep. I don't know why that would be important. But she does this walk where like her arms are swinging more. Yeah. And and Emma goes, it's not the tractor pull either. <laughs> I have to say there are actually some very clever lines. Yeah. In, in the movie. It doesn't save it from itself, but like there are some funny lines. As I started watching it, I was like, oh, I remember this so well. Like, I actually remember almost every line of this movie, but I just haven't thought about it in so long. Is it just me or was soccer, like, marketed to us really hard? Yeah, well, I I do kind of feel like the reign of Mia Hamm and, like, (laughs) Michelle Kwan and, like— all these, like the the Williams sisters, like they were in their prime when we were kids. Yeah. Um, so and now it's I like, feel like Simone that, Biles and that type. Yeah, yeah, I think like certain sports just go through waves of popularity, mm-hmm. um, just depending on like who's popular in the sports. Yeah. When Jerry's at Jerry's house of sports after the draft and his friend is like, we always had our star player, but now that Sam's gone, what are you going to do? I was like, wait, but who's normally the star player? Yeah, well, I had the same thought. I was like, "If why are you so pressed about losing the best female player when you can still have your best male player and you clearly don't value the female players anyway? Yeah. So why are you even, why are you even pressed about that? Yeah. That was weird to me. Um, okay. Other things I appreciated. Emma's tie-dye dress look with the little sweater and the claw clip and the platform shoes. Slay. I really liked the line when Sam was talking about playing for the buzzards and she was like, the buzzards are a little 
informal. I really loved that. Um, Also, when the mom is like, this was in the same scene, and she was like, I can't come to your games because I have to attend my family dynamics seminar. I thought that was funny, too. Michael Sarah's lines are actually really funny. The best part is when the guy fitting his shoes starts to talk about how his cousin also has a delicate bone structure and Michael Sarah cuts him off and just says, who cares? I thought that was really funny. I love in Mary Kay and Ashley movies when they give you the little cheat to help you tell them apart, which is one of them has their hair flipped out and one of them has their hair flipped in. I think that's so cute. I really loved the funeral man scene. Yeah. Yeah. That's something I forgot about. It's so weird. Yeah. But I love it. I really, I really loved when the team is like, you know what we say? Never say die. And he's like, that's funny. We say the opposite. I was just like, what the fuck (laughs) is this? Um, Okay. So into the bad yeah, yeah. Can I start? Please. Um, okay. I need to know why they treat braces as like the most disgusting thing a person could have. I actually wrote down this movie is dental phobic. <laughs> yeah, like it's so weird. Yeah. I'm like, why is she like wincing? Why is she like shaking into her boots looking at this kid trying to eat pizza? Shaking in her boots. <laughs> it's like yeah it's fine it's not like I feel like that made the prospect of headgear way more scary to me than like it needed to be just like the way that it's written the way that they come up with the idea to to switch because they're standing at the fucking um pinball machine yeah pinball machine and and she's one of them is playing and then they want to switch places so they're like trade places and then like three seconds later they're like oh yeah we should trade places but it is because right before they say that they're lamenting their situation so at least there's that no I know I mean it's like how uh, yes but also I just don't like that it's like at a pinball machine yeah that is real one of my qualms is there's no reason as to why Emma couldn't just go on the date herself because it is outside the bounds of the soccer game. You mean Sam? Well, no, because he's asking the girly girl, Emma, to go on a date with him. But because he thinks that Sam is Emma, he asks Sam physically to go on the date with him. So I'm of instead of having to teach, instead of Emma having to teach Sam how to be her, to go on the date with him, she could have just gone herself. Okay, but I don't think that that fully works. Okay, I got so confused with this subject because I'm pretty sure that what we're supposed to understand, because remember that parking lot scene in the beginning? Yeah, the idea is that, like, they're more similar. Like, Sam and him are, like, on the outside. Okay, no, that's what I thought. That's what I thought, too. But then (laughs) he's looking at Emma longingly. I know. And and so what I'm saying is the same thing as what you're saying. It's all the same. Nothing here. <laughs> no, I don't think we're saying the same thing. Yeah, we are. No, my understanding is this. I don't think it's right, but I'm confused. This is what I think it is. That Sam, the tomboy, has a crush on Trevor Bloomis. Trevor Bloomis Correct. likes Emma, the girly girl. Correct. 
Yeah. And so he asks out Emma because he likes her, the girly girl Emma. And Emma's like, I don't like him. You should go out with him instead. Gets Sam to impersonate her and goes on the date. Is that not what happens? Yeah, that's that is what happens. But how does that how is it's never real it's never really established that Sam really likes him. Like it's sort of there, but it's not like it's not like fully there. But th- that's even not even my point. No. My <laughs> point is my point is that Trevor Bloomis asked Emma as an entity yes. on a date. Yes. This, this is what I'm saying. It, it's not helpful to <laughs> Sam, who actually likes him and would actually go on a date with him as herself. It's not helpful for her to pretend to be Emma and go on a date with him. Like, why couldn't Emma just go? Because like, Emma, they, doesn't they like they, Emma doesn't like him. Emma doesn't like him. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> why? I'm saying you could avoid having to try to teach Sam to be Emma um, and just have them go. You know what? It's just. It's no, just like I'm not getting it. I'm not getting it. Why? Because is it not unethical for Sam in drag as Emma to go on the date? Yeah, what they're what they did is unethical. Walk me through this one more time. All I'm saying. No, I need you so, to walk me through this one more time. He all he I'm, runs up to Emma, aka Sam as Emma, on the soccer field and asks yeah. her out. But that's not based off of his observations of Sam. That's based off his observations of Emma. Yeah. So, you know, theoretically, like if 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 um if Sam had been thinking straight, she would have said no to the date because she knows that Emma wouldn't right. want to go. Right, 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 right. Okay. So she's not, th- now she's setting herself up for a, a loss. Yeah. <laughs> by saying, by saying yes as Emma, she's setting herself up for failure. Got it. In multiple ways. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm with you. Because not only is she going to make a fool of herself trying to be a girly girl on the date, but now he's gone on a date with his twin sister, and now she can't go on a date with him. Yeah. So it's twofold. With her okay. twin sister. Yes. Yeah. So. Okay, yeah. If she had been using the noggin, she wouldn't have done that. So then, okay, at the end, is she not just like, surprise, I've been Sam all along? Is that what happens? Yeah, they like last ditch set up Emma with the literal bully. Right. And it's like, what? And yeah, so that it ends up being like a princess in the poppers. I literally almost brought that up earlier. Wait, but I still don't. Okay, just the last thing I'm going to say. Sam. So I'm correct in saying at the end of the movie, Sam reveals her true identity. And Trevor Bloomis is like, okay, I'll date you despite the fact that you deceived me in the beginning. Pretty much, yeah. So he's just a himbo is what we're learning. Yeah, Basically. And also, I think the realization there, too, is like, because, you know, when Sam goes on the date as Emma, she like beats him at all these games. And for some reason, he's like, that's hot. And it's like, okay, Uh, Yeah. (laughs) um, And when he goes, when he's, you like it when you, you like it when it rains. You like it when it's sunny. You like science. And now you hate science. You're driving me crazy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Great scene. Perfect scene it's from like, top to bottom. 
Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much for walking me through the logistics of that because I was genuinely <laughs> extremely confused about what happened there. I'm glad I was able to to bring it to light because yes, that was did. also very confusing. You did a good job. Okay. I started off this movie saying to myself, the parents are gross, but also kind of cute. I very quickly changed my mind <laughs> to these parents are gross, period. <laughs> I think there's a lot really specific gender dynamics going on in this movie. And it really reminds me of that. We've talked about this before on the show. I don't remember what episode, but like that whole thing of like when young daughters and dads will like collectively make fun of the mom. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so that. Yeah. It's so that. Like they're they're all trying to like pull a fast one over mom because she actually cares about how uh, Emma feels. Like yeah. that's, this whole thing is hinging upon her wanting Emma to feel valued. It has nothing to do with like her own like motives. Yeah. And, like, they shit on the mom, like, the whole fucking movie. And I'm like, no, she's totally doing her job. And, like, this is fine. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. The dad is also the worst. Him fronting, like, he doesn't care about winning. He's like, oh, if you girls really want to do that, like, okay. But, like, we're going to lie to your mom. Like, you're a grown man. Yeah. I was surprised. I thought it was really weird that when they first pitched it, he wasn't just like, yeah, let's do it. Because I feel like that would have been way more true to his character. Same. And I felt like they reeled it back a little bit because they were like, this dad is like fucking awful. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Some really specific things that I, that just made me cringe. I hate the soccer coaches. I hate everything they do. They make me embarrassed to exist. Also, when they're doing, when they're talking about the championship and the guy says, round robin starting this Saturday. (laughs) I hated that part, but I actually did think it was funny when he was like, it's that time of year when our jobs, our families and everything else we hold dear goes on the back burner or whatever. Um, I thought that was funny. Yeah, it it is. And as a kid, I, for some reason, I never really, the inciting incident is the league becoming co-ed. Yeah. Okay. Should we just go into that? Well, actually, I guess the inciting incident is, is, uh, him, the dad picking Sam for the wheelbarrow race. (laughs) No, the inciting, the inciting incident is the mom saying, you need to treat Emma equally. It's demanding for the fair treatment of all women. Yeah. But as a kid, what I was going to say is as a kid, I never really questioned that whole thing. I was just like, I mean, to be fair, I never played on a co-ed soccer team and soccer teams always were separated by gender like yeah. in every every team that I ever knew of so also for, like, the kids could play in to be fair calling these teams co-ed is an extreme reach because both teams are all <laughs> boys and then Mary Kate or Ashley well yeah it's funny because there are other girls in a lot of scenes yeah. where they're out in the field and stuff but they're not they're not characters and they're not really shown in the context of the game. Yeah. So and and they're they're there for the draft. Mm-hmm. There are other girls there for the draft, but like you just don't know. No. You don't <laughs> even you don't them. even get like a baby butch in like a nineteen ninety nine kind of way. Like they don't even give you that. 
in the beginning, like right before the teams are drafted um, and all the kids are like showing off their sweet moves in the field, there's this part where they're like doing the headers and you can see like Sam doing them from behind, but it's so clearly a stunt double. It's like the hair looks fucked up. You can kind of even see the face. (laughs) I was just like, whoa. The very, very, very last minute storyline edition of Emma being a good goalie is like... (laughs) I know. It's like it really took them that long to figure that out. Yeah. And like that would have been better, I think, earlier in the movie. It's just like it feels super last ditch effort to like have a save, like a saving the day moment with her in sports. And it's like, okay. Yeah. It should have just been, you know, the whole play where she's like the distraction. And it, and they did do that like earlier in the movie. Yeah. But then the final, the final, I guess maybe that's why they didn't do it again. Because they're like, we already played that trick. Like, <laughs> like, I think it's nice to give her a skill, but also she would not be the goalie. No. Um, for being honest. No, she would not. And this podcast is about honesty. It is all about honesty. This movie comes out of the gate extremely hard with its, like, <laughs> light misogyny themes. And it doesn't even give it up. Like, no. it literally holds on to them tightly. And you don't... Like, nothing is nothing has changed by, in that status quo by the end. Like, no. the mom becomes a coach, but she's still... She's shat on the whole time. You know, shat on the, pretty much the whole time. She gets, like, a moment of respect because the Buzzards, like, won a game that ultimately put them in the finals against the Hurricanes. Of course, she's not, like, an actual good coach. She's, like, a therapist. Like, she's still kind of, like, goofy in her approach or whatever. Yeah, like, they, they like, make a joke out of her. It's just... Yeah. I don't know. It's a little unfortunate. When the mom is like, girls, your dad's league is going co-ed this year. And Sam's like, yeah, I'm so sick of these dippy girl leagues anyway. I'm like, dippy? First of all, dippy? I was like... What? (laughs) And also, let's be... Emma wouldn't even want to do that. No. She'd be like, cool, I'm not going to do that. Like... Here's, that's the whole issue. That's the whole vibe with this situation is like, she has that one weird line. Yeah, in the beginning where she's like, I'll never be his favorite or whatever. But then after that scene, it doesn't seem like she even cares about that literally at all. No, because I think, you know, had they both been, had it been the background situation of like, we've always played soccer together and like, I'm just not as good as Sam is. Yeah. You know, that alone would make would make me buy it yeah. way more. Remember um, in elementary school, we had, it was like a, well, Silver Lake Elementary School, they had a field day, but they also had the like end of school year party at the lake. Yeah, that one was big. And I'm pretty sure that like both of those events would have like a wheel. It's not out of the realm of possibility. Yes. I remember tug of war though, like really specifically. Yes, but that was a field day thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. I hated field day so much. Yeah. I mean, it was always like, I I always like almost passed out. I remember <laughs> that. Yeah, you would pop off too hard and then you'd be like, I have asthma. <laughs> I would like overexert myself <laughs> and have, my face would be like bright red because <sighs> I 
had to jump rope for an hour straight. Like, it was just like... (laughs) That reminds me, as you texted me the other day, of our running era. (laughs) I don't know. I don't think we've ever talked about this on the podcast. I don't know if we have. But, like, we, for some reason, were possessed in, like, 2018. It was 2017. It was because it was the end of my... It was the summer after I graduated college and I was still living in New York and I was facing down like 5,000 demons that I needed to kill before I left. And I was like, I'm going to pr- I'm gonna half-ass go vegan and also start running to distract myself from the void. And then I roped Audrey into it. Yeah. Yeah. And we used this app called Couch to 5K where yeah. like it, it trains you and like ups your intervals of running every day so like you'll run more and more until you are running a 5k and then we I actually would recommend it yeah same I'm actually thinking about doing it again just for fun yeah um I'm not gonna run a 5k again (laughs) trust me yeah we did one in Cleveland I also asked Audrey to do it with me the night before really yes I asked you because I was doing it by myself but like I think that, like, mom and dad were going to come, like, watch or something. And I, like, knew it was going to be ugly. Like, I knew it wasn't going to end well. <laughs> and I was like, I don't I don't want to be the only one going through this. And so I was like, but because I knew you had done the app, too. So I knew you would, like, theoretically train for it. Um, yeah. And I was like, would you do this with me? And you were like, I guess so. And then you did. <laughs> I remember, like, driving there because it started, pre- like, kind of early-ish. Yeah. And, like, we drove to Edgewater Park at, like... 8 a.m. or whatever like girl like what girl <laughs> and the I'm thing just, was let's just say it almost ended very <laughs> we both had our lives our lives flash before our eyes and the biggest it was so hot and was, there were hills it was really hot it was in august there was no cloud cover and if you've ever been to edgewater you know it's like a very big hill like a huge hill is part of it and my mistake was that i only did flat running or like a little bit of an incline, maybe, um, because I was running in Manhattan, like at the East River Park, like it wasn't anything challenging terrain wise. I had my first and only ever asthma attack. And Audrey, (laughs) did you almost throw up? Yeah. And when I tell you, like, it was the worst timing ever because it was when I was finishing, like when I crossed the finish line and the guy hands you something. I was like, Jesus, take the wheel. Actually, that's the closest call I've ever had to like throwing up on somebody. Yeah. I remember I finished, I crossed the finish line and I was actively having an asthma attack and mom and dad were there and they were like, good job, sweetie. I was like, I got to take a laugh. Like I got to take a moment. I remember us like huffing and puffing to the nearest shade, which was like a tree over like 30 feet from the finish. And we were just like, so done our parents were definitely like what the fuck just happened but also that's cool (laughs) it was their anniversary it was their anniversary i remember that and then after we did that we were like yeah we never have to do that again (laughs) never again i would only do it again if i had trained better than 5k yeah like if i was in better shape than a 5k i would do it yeah anyway (laughs) switching goals is bad don't watch it I don't know. (laughs) 
It was really boring. Yeah, out of out of the ones we loved, it's the worst one out of those. But like, it still holds a place like in in our collective heart and memory. In our collective unconscious. <laughs> yeah, like it just does. Yeah. Like I'm not gonna. But I'm not saying if it deserves can, it. If you want to go to bat for this movie, please feel free. Um, I do not guarantee that either of us will agree with you. However, we love feedback. So you should you should let us know <laughs> if you feel differently. Um, yeah, like if, if you're not on our Discord, join the Discord yeah. and then immediately we have a we have a channel for like discussion related to the podcast episode. Yes. So the link to the Discord is in the episode description below. So you should definitely join if you haven't. It uh, really brightens both of our days all the time. So yeah. Our next episode has a good guest on it. As I said last week or whenever that was. Yeah. Think TikTok. Yes. TikTok vibes. Yes. <laughs> so fun side update note about uh, the show choir documentary. Mm-hmm. It recently got into a film festival in New York City, which is very fun. Yeah. It's the Manhattan Film Festival, and it's screening. If any of you happen to be in New York City, which I don't know that any of you really are, but if you were, you could come. It is at the Cinema Village on East 12th Street um, on June 12th, Sunday, June 12th at 5 p.m. Wow. I've walked past that place so many times. That's where it's going to screen. Yeah. Ooh, that's so cool. I'm going to be there. I'm coming to New York for that weekend to watch it. Um, It's going to be sweet. Congratulations, Audrey. Yeah. Thank you. So yeah, that I'll put in case anybody is around i'll put the uh, link to buy a ticket in the description as well there's gonna be i think one of my old professors is coming <laughs> big <laughs> moments <laughs> scary okay everyone we will see you next week see ya You can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover dash cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at twopingpictures.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube at sleepover cinema and post a full video version of each episode on YouTube and Facebook every Thursday. And if you like the show, if it brings back evocative memories of childhood or tweendom or babysitting, share an episode or two with a few friends. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Rule Hoffman and has theme music by Josh Perlman Hall. Our executive producer is Michael D'Aloya. Leave us an iTunes review telling us what movie you'd like to see us cover next, or leave us one because you like us and it's good for the algorithm and we need it. We'll chat again soon. Bye. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the facts from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II. 
And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.